This episode is about ferrets. I'm sure you'll figure out I have a passion for them, besides them being the reason I started my online business. Living from the bottom to the top is a weekly look at my life while living in a 2004 Chevy Suburban in the middle of the Mojave Desert in Southern California. These episodes are often unedited and sometimes can be quite raw and emotional. While I'm living in my vehicle at the moment, my ultimate dream is to own a mortgage-free home before I'm 60 in five years. I hope you continue to listen, and thank you. Okay. And the main reason this episode is about ferrets is because I had really no idea what to talk about this week. So I put a poll up on Twitter. And I only got two votes. And so basically this episode and the next are because of the poll. And so it's ferrets this week. And next week is alternate routes. Um, but ferrets for me actually opened several doors. Um, but before I get into that, you kind of have to understand how I ended up in the ferret world. Um, I had moved, I had divorced my ex, moved to PA to be with my second ex in 1998. And I should have known there was some issues, there was some flags ahead of time, but you know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, and there is a reason. And for a while, everything, for the most part, was good. I mean, I got along with our kids. Um, they got along with me, you know. Um, and then fast forward to 2001. That was a big year, and not just because of the terrorist attacks. Um, April of that year, on his 19th birthday, um, her oldest son decided to commit suicide in the bedroom above us, and I was the one that found his body. Um, needless to say, my ex kind of lost it. Um, we ended up moving because she couldn't stay in that house. Not that I would blame her. Um, it was hard to be in that house. Uh, even when we moved back to it. Um, and then, like I said, in September, the terrorist attack happened. And I want to say she ended up back in the hospital. In fact, I know she did for Christmas because of, you know, just not being able to really process the death. And, you know, and I wasn't really allowed to grieve, so, you know, because it wasn't my child. Um, so I had to internalize everything. And then in 2002, the summer, um, my son came to visit me in PA. And they were supposed to stay the whole summer. 
but a bunch of different things happened and they decided they were done they wanted to go home so they went home um, which just kind of added to my depression I'd been kind of fighting with it and at the same time, we we had met in a Xena chat room, and every summer we kind of hosted this Xena get-together party, and we were having one of those, and like I said, my son decided to, to go home, and a friend of mine or ours, Sabrina, was visiting as well. And she decided that I needed a pet that did more than just lay around. At the time, I had a cat named Butchie. She was indoor-outdoor. And part of the reason that she had said that was um, Butchie had caught a bunny rabbit. And her daughter, Jennifer, I think she was three at the time. She might have been, yeah, she was about three, two or three. And, but she hadn't killed it. She just, you know, she had it. And so we got it away from her and we set it loose. Well, Jennifer wanted a bunny. So off to the local feed store they went to find a bunny. Well, they came back. And they didn't have a bunny rabbit because they were out. But Sabrina decided that I needed to go to the store, the feed store, and see these critters. I'm like, what? And she had already taken this little package upstairs to the room she was staying in. And I didn't know what, what it was. And she kept giggling. And when Sabrina giggles, it's one of those things that it's like... You, you see the memes about they start I start cracking myself up before I tell the joke because it's so funny um, Sabrina's kind of like that uh, she starts laughing your eyebrow goes up because you're like okay is this a good laugh is this a bad laugh and so anyways she takes gets me to go to this local feed store and it's called Agway we walk in, and she beelines to these cage, and there's these long, furry, pointed snout things. Now, mind you, she's already been in there once, and they already they remember her because you can't forget Sabrina. If you meet Sabrina, she kind of sticks in your head, kind of like C. And I don't think C and Sabrina would get along real well. They're too much alike. So. The sale people are like. She goes to get. I'm like you can't do this. She's like yes I can. They already know me. And they're like yeah she can do this. So she pulls this. Worm. Fuzzy worm thing. With four feet. Like I said a snout. It's gray and black and white and it's got a mask on its face she goes put your hands out so I put my hands out in the cup and drops this tiny thing in it well it 
fits, except for its long tail, into my hands. And I'm like freaking out because I don't know what kind of teeth this thing has. And small animals like hamsters and rats and other chisel teeth uh, critters don't seem to like me for some reason. Doesn't matter. Everybody's like, oh, they don't bite. They don't. I'm like, it doesn't matter. The minute you put them in my hand, they're going to take it. Oh, no, they're not. So they put them in, and I usually end up losing some skin to these chisel teeth. I've gotten to where I don't. Mm-mm. Nope, get the chisel teeth away from me. And like I said, I'm freaking. And she's like, Sabrina's like, no, 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 no. They don't have chisel teeth. I wouldn't do that to you. I'm like, okay. So this thing, like, stops its movement and turns around and looks at me. And then runs up my arm. It's got claws. Not, you know, not retractable claws. They're out. And I'm like, okay. I'm like freaking because it's climbing up my arm and gets up to my face. And I'm like, okay. And it gives me a lick and then goes back into my hands. That was it. I was done. I'm like looking at this. I'm like, all right, what is this thing? It's called a ferret. I'm like, okay. Now you have to remember, I'm from California. I've never seen one of these things. Not once. I mean, I've seen them in the movies, like Beastmaster, which made them very popular. And Kindergarten Cop. And a lot of her owners are still really upset with Arnold because he had said when he became governor, he would legalize them in California. And they are still illegal in California. Which is why I had never seen one. Because they're supposedly invasive species and da-da-da-da. Well, they wouldn't survive in California in the wild. And I knew nothing about ferrets at the time. Nothing. So, I'm hooked. This thing is like giving me kisses and, you know, licking my hand. I know it's the salt and all that, but... Just, you know, being sweet. And I'm walking around the store and I'm looking at all the accessories. And I I get what's called a carry sack. It's kind of like a large purse. Okay, so I slip him in there and he kind of digs at it, turns around and goes to sleep. So we end up with Bandit, as I've named him, because he's got a mask. And... This time, Sabrina says, yeah, now we have Bandit and Creamer. That's what she ran up the stairs with, was her own ferret. Well, come to find out, they don't, you can't take them on the airplane unless you put them in cargo, and she wasn't going to do that, so I basically inherited Creamer when she went home. Um, and she had had ferrets, so she kind of clued me in a little bit about the care. And, but yeah, we had this, you know, it's summertime. I didn't want to sit in the hot car and everybody was going, wanting to go to Walmart. I forget why. So I put the carry sack on like a purse and walk into Walmart with a ferret. And, uh, everybody was like, oh, you're smiling, you're smiling. And it's like, I hadn't smiled for a really, really long time at that point. And... Sabrina had said, yeah, that was, you know, I forget what, Sasha, I think was hers, 
and Sasha wasn't fixed. She actually had gotten hers from a breeder. And Bandit was a Path Valley ferret, which I later found out a bunch of different things, and I'll explain in a bit. Um, but Sabrina said, yeah, they were her antidepressant. And I'm like, how can this little thing be an antidepressant? So we get back to the house and she has me clear out space and close the door to this one room. And she's like, let him explore. And she got out creamer. And these things are bouncing all over the place and doing all sorts of things. And I'm giggling. I'm like, yeah, I guess they are your antidepressants. So like I said, Sabrina ended up going home with her two kids. And I ended up with Creamer. Well, that was the start of a lot of different things. Um, one of the banes of the ferrets are recliners. Um, they tend to get... Ferrets are very exploratory. And they tend to get into places they shouldn't. And Creamer got underneath the recliner. And none of us knew it, knew it until my ex leaned back and we heard a squeal. And he basically passed from what was called a crush injury. And I was devastated. So we ended up going back to Agway. And we ended up with ashes. And then from there, ferret math happened. And ferret math is like Lay's potato chip. You can't have just one. So from July to the time into September, I ended up with nine ferrets. I still didn't know a lot about them. I had eight boys and one girl and the girl's name was Guinevere or Gwendolyn or when she was in rare form precious said exactly like that because she was a bitch <laughs> she was the smallest of them all but she ruled them all and uh I also ended up with a deaf ferret, which I ended up, because of Lance, his name ended, I ended up with kind of a uh, King Arthur kind of thing. And uh, the theme going with After Ashes, I ended up with James or Jesse, instead of Jesse James. Um, Galahad, Blizzard, I, I, Blizzard ended up being called Blizzard because he was an albino, which means he had, he was white with red eyes, and he was the sweetest thing ever, next to Bandit, um, Bandit was of course my favorite, because he was my first, and Lance, Lance kind of got my heart the hard way, he, like I said, at the time we didn't know he was deaf, and 
most ferrets, you know, they bite, you scream, they let go. He bit at the space between your thumb and the uh, forefinger, and he went all the way through. I mean, he drew blood. And I screamed. And I kept screaming. And he didn't let go. And at the time, he didn't really have a name. I forget what I was... I think I was calling him Stripe. Because he had a... a, What I learned later was called a blaze on his head. And he didn't let go. I had to pry his jaws apart. And... Started doing some research. Because this wasn't normal. This wasn't like the other ones. You turn on the vacuum cleaner, they all disappeared. Not him. He kind of looked around like, where did everybody go? Um, would jump if you were like right behind him and, and all of a sudden you touched him. So I did some research and I ended up on a page called Wolfies. And she had Ping and Pong. And Ping and Pong were deaf ferrets. And she's like, these are some tests. So I did the test. Yep, Lance was deaf. I'm like, okay. And I had to do a lot of research. And I'm like, that tells me I really don't know nothing about ferrets. So I started doing research. And the more research I did, the more I learned. And then in 2009, I actually started a blog called Enlightened Ferret. And it's still up. And I haven't updated it in a very long time. There's a lot of lot of good information there, and I talk about my ferrets there, and the link is in the in the description of this episode if you'd like to go read more about my my ferrets and stuff. Um, and then about I've been blogging like I said I started in 2009, and then I ended up on Twitter. Because of my blog, I I was like finding social media. And Twitter was fairly new at the time. And I ended up in an animal community. There wasn't too many of us ferret owners out there. So it was interesting. And we ended up in a community at the time called Blog Paws. Well, it wasn't even a community at the time. It was just a bunch of animal people. And these three... Two ladies and a, and, a, and gentlemen decided they were going to originally do an interactive, I guess it would be like a podcast, except it ended up being that all these people wanted to be part of it, and they were getting sponsors and everything, so they're like, all right, let's make this a physical conference. So Blog Pause was born. And the first conference was in Columbus, Ohio. And I won a ticket. I'm like, all right. And at the time, my ex's second son had friends in Columbus. And he's like, I'll take you. And I'm like, I'll, you know, you can room. I'll I'll get a room with two beds and whatever. And he's like, okay, no problem. But no ferrets in my car. Okay. Didn't really want to do it that way, but... Like, whatever. So... I go. And I met a lot of people. And met Ashley and Nikki and 
actually kind of helped Nikki get over flying because it was her, you know, she didn't like to fly. And it's like, you got this, you got this. They were late. We met. I mean, we'd all these people, for the most part, had only met on Twitter. But we were all so into, and most of us blogged about our critters. And, and, you know, and and our issues and what we were, you know, what did we want to change? And, you know, I'm still, you know, I'm still fairly new at blogging. And at the time, the biggest thing was mommy bloggers. So, you know, some of these people were mommy bloggers, but they were also branching out. And I had met people from Canada and England and all this. Now, I'm an introvert. I do not like to talk to people. I actually managed to pass my public speaking course in college, barely. And, but at the time, I hadn't even had public, I hadn't even gone to college at this time. So, but I'm like, I can talk about ferrets. Not a problem. I'm not upset. You know, I'm not jittery. I don't stutter. My hands don't really sweat. And I got to meet a lot of really neat people, including the co-founders and the founder and co-founders of Blog Paws. And I was at the time the only ferret owner that, you know, even went. And I lucked out and I won couple different things and was able to donate to Ashley and Nikki's um, charity they supported in Texas you know thanks to Perina and they had some big name things so because of my interaction and how you know into ferrets and everything I was um, when the founder and this and their, I guess at the time, significant other, they weren't married yet, um, went back to Denver to really work more on blog pause. Um, they hired an assistant, and her name was Stephanie. And Stephanie happened to be a ferret owner. And what was really n- nice about um, Yvonne and Tom was they let her bring her pet. So they got to meet not face critter who was a deaf ferret so the joke became that snot face was the uh, western ambassador and my ferrets were the east coast ambassador now a lot of people didn't get to come to Columbus so they actually had a second conference which was in Denver and I tried really really hard to get there but Due to a number of reasons, I didn't get to go. So, I only missed, like, I think a total of three conferences for blog pause. Well, it opened up some other worlds. And like I said, I got to deal with some different brands. And Greenies was one of them. And Neutro and different things like that. Well, Neutro became because of uh, a different conference that happened not very long after that, called Bark World. And 
at that time, no, Bark World happened a couple years later because I had Manny. But, um, yeah, I couldn't, you couldn't be, the reason you can't really be depressed around a ferret is, as I tell everybody, um, they are a kitten and a toddler rolled up into one, and they never grow up. So you never know what you're going to expect. And they are very high maintenance, and they can be very expensive. And at the time, I hadn't found a vet. Now, a lot of people think that ferrets are, and I did too, are wild animals that have been ripped away from their parents. Well, ferrets actually have been domesticated for over 2,000 years. And their scientific name is Muscatella furtoris furrow. And what that translates literally into is stinky little thieves. Or stinky little thief, which they are. But they were domesticated... They estimate between 3,000 to 2,000 to 3,000 years. And they are a cross between a European polecat and, I believe, an East Asian polecat. They are related to the weasel, the otter, and... A lot of people think skunks. Well, skunks actually have been moved from the um, muscatella, even though they do have a musk scent. Um, the DNA actually has them more related to a raccoon. So that was an interesting thing. Um, but like I said, a lot of this information is on the blog. Um, but they're not real sure how they went, and they were domesticated to hunt rodents, meaning they hunt rats and mice and rabbits. And in some places in Europe, they still use ferrets for hunting. I think Ireland is still one of the places. Um, but uh, there is a painting of one of the queens with an ermine, and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but it's actually more likely a ferret, but they weren't, they didn't call them ferrets at that time, I don't think, um, but royalty was the only ones that could have them when they came to England, and they were used for hunting. You know, that's how they kept the rodent population down in the, the castles. Well, for whatever reason, or however, they ended up on the ships coming over from England to be used as pest control. And they were actually used in the United States, like New York and all that, and by the FDA as uh, rodent control until the early 30s, 1930s. And then they were, you know, kind of regulated down a little bit. Um, and a lot of the old buildings in New York are actually wired by ferrets. They had a harness and they would clip a wire to them and put them through the hole. 
Um, but ferrets don't aren't really trainable beyond certain things. I mean, you can't. You can see where a lot of people nowadays have trained them, and they're like they still do their own thing. They're they're kind of like a cat. They'll ignore you if they have something they want. Um, but they are very intelligent. Uh, Bandit had a thing for my pens and my hairbrushes. And he would hiss at you if you tried to take them away. Which is just, it's hysterical when you're holding the, the end of the pen telling the spirit, no, you can't have that, that's mine. And, and they're hissing at you. Like, no, it's mine. Um, they are attracted to anything rubber, which is not a good thing. They tend to chew it and they end up with blockage. Um, they are considered oblique, meaning they usually only have one food source. Now, a lot of people are like, well, there's a wild, there's wild ferret. Yeah, there are wild ferrets, but the one that's in the United States is not a true ferret. It is actually the cousin to the domesticated ferret. And the domesticated ferret is considered a domesticated exotic. So when people say, oh, I found an exotic vet doesn't mean they're necessarily like parrots and cockatiels and you know which yes may be bred in captivity but they are still fairly new to captivity um the slow logeris or whatever however you pronounce it that is a true exotic meaning it is taken directly from the wild and shipped off to a buyer um But ferrets have actually been part of the United States history for a very, very long time. Like I said, they've wired buildings in New York. Um, they actually wired the cables underneath the stage for Princess Diana's wedding. Because they couldn't, you know, people couldn't get under the stage. So they hooked ca camera cable underneath to the ferret and set it through. Um, and a lot of people didn't realize that. Um, like I said, rodent control. Um, and like I said, Bandit was a Path Valley ferret. My, my first business, which if you have more than three ferrets, is called a business. Um, my first business was, at, was nine ferrets. And... What a lot of uh, then there's Marshalls, which is a big breeding farm, and they have you know a lot of things have Marshalls name on it, and there are people that are really against Marshalls because they breed both for um, pet owners, but they also breed for research, and while I don't promote the research as such. Um, Ferrets are actually the reason we have a lot of vaccines. And mainly the flu vaccine. Because we can give a ferret a flu, the flu and the ferret can give us the flu. It's that easily transmitted between the two. Um, their respiratory system is very much like ours. But, uh, but I'm kind of bouncing around because... I tend to do that. And I realized I was talking about 
being oblique and oblique means one food source and there are like I said foods out there for you know kibble but you have to be very careful about it because some companies are trying to jump on the ferret bandwagon and they're putting vegetables and things in there well ferrets don't have it's called a cecrum they don't have that and that's what other animals that eat vegetation have to process the vegetation. It can actually cause blockages and things. So they are a meat only, or if they're going to have kibble, it has to be extremely high in protein. And ferrets also are like cats in that they sleep anywhere from 16 to 18 hours um, and then they're full of energy they are also not a cage animal you've got to let them out to play they are a high maintenance at critter they are a very high maintenance pet um, but like I said the army actually developed the flu vaccine using ferrets and the ferret actually was the reason was used to create the vaccine for corona. And the, yes, that does mean that they have prob- that most of them have died because the flu can kill a ferret, just like it, the flu can kill a human being. Um, But because of the research and everything, we do have the flu vaccine, and which is what, you know, the coronavirus vaccine was based off of, because the coronavirus is a type of flu, even though it came, they think, from a bat. Um, they're still calling it a swine flu, or, you know, similar to a swine flu. Same with, you know, the avian flu and whatever. Um, And the best way, of course, is washing your hands. And if you have ferrets, you wear a mask and you you try to limit your exposure as much as possible with ferrets. And, uh, but because of blog pause, I decided the next year it was at uh, Tyson Corners because ferrets are illegal in Washington, D.C. And Tyson's Corners is just outside. Well, I got to take, I forget who, I took two of my ferrets, I think. And they were hit. I got to meet the guys that did uh, Rescue Inc. And I have a photo of them holding my two ferrets. And these big old guys with these little, you know, holding these little furry critters. And the other thing is people don't realize is that ferrets are legal in certain places. And they are illegal in all five boroughs of New York City. Um, because of interaction between 
a overzealous ferret owner and the mayor at the time and he didn't take well to being called a weasel so he basically said fine all ferrets are illegal in, in New York City and they've been fighting to get them reestablished um, they are not allowed on any military base which is hysterical considering um, military base is where the research was done uh, you have to have a license and a permit in Mississippi to own a ferret California they are illegal and back to the cousin the cousin to the ferret is the black-footed ferret. Now, they are starting to make a comeback. And they actually were considered extinct for a very long time until, I want to say, 1985, when a rancher's dog brought this critter in. The rancher had never seen it, what this was. So he took it off to the taxidermist. And this is in Wyoming. And taxidermist is like, I think I know what that is. And he's looking through some old books and he's like, hmm, what's this? Well, they're like, okay, did he get the last one? Is there more out there? So the rancher followed the dog. Well, there was actually a colony. And so they let the researchers know, all right, there's a colony of these ferrets. And they're like, no, they're extinct. They're like, uh, no, here's a picture of the dead one. And next thing you know, the farmer, the rancher knows, here's all these researchers. Well, then they had, and at the time they had a colony, they said, I believe it was like 40, 40 ferret, black-footed ferrets. And they really don't look like ferrets. They have more of a rounded ear and kind of more of a mushed-up face than the elongated ferret nose. And... All of a sudden, they started dying off. I couldn't figure out why. And then they realized that they're oblique and their main food source was the prairie dogs, which were also dying off. So they got a hold of one of the prairie dogs and they did some research and they found out it had what's called the civilian... Civilian... And, and it's not civilian... Slovenia plague, which a lot of people call the elf plague because, you know, Slovenia. But um, it was a plague, and the, ferret, the black-footed ferrets were catching it from the prairie dogs, and it was killing them off. It was highly, highly um, detrimental, and the decision was made to remove the last 18 black-footed ferrets from the wild and put them in captivity. Out of the 18, they had four that, um, four females that actually had babies. And I want to say in 1998 or 2000, they actually started a release program and the black-footed ferrets that are now in the wild are direct descendants from the 18. So there's really not a diverse 
bloodline. Um, one of the researchers made a detailed, detailed um, basically, okay, this per this ferret's related to this one, so they can never breed with these ferrets, black-footed ferrets, and the prairie uh, research in Colorado uh, have a whole thing, and I've actually met Travis at a ranked ferret show, and I will explain about that in a little bit too, but I need a break. So, exactly how did ferrets um, inspire my online business? Well, like I said, my blog is Enlightened Ferret, which is how I ended up with that as part of my business name. I just kind of added on to it. In 2011, a friend of mine, Joy, at the time, her husband, who is now an ex, um, was overseas and was coming back from Iraq. And she wanted her ferret polar bear to meet him in uniform. Yeah. Well, she kept getting, as she put it, cartoons, costumes. You know, they were they were definitely costumes. They weren't really well made or have any understanding of the military. So I'm like, why not? And I looked at my partner at the time who was retired army and I'm like, help me design this outfit. You know, I need a uniform. How do I design it? And so her being regulation told me everything I needed to know. Well, we went and found some material. It wasn't true um, BDU material. It was a little more slicker. Um, but it had the camo print, digital print, which is new compared to the other. So I did everything, figured it out, had the hat, and the hat was the size of a quarter, and I did almost all of this on the machine, so, had the hat, had the jacket, flat seams, you know, rolled sleeves, the whole nine yards, the only place that there wasn't flat seams was around the arms, because it was just, there's just no way to do it. And I wasn't going to sit there and hand sew, sew the sleeves. And I got to looking at my partner's uh, military, her, her BDUs. And it was like, okay, this zigzag would work. And I even made pants. And I shipped it off to her. And or I, I showed it to her on... Facebook. And the next thing I know, I have people asking me if I can make this for their ferret. And so Enlightened Ferret Fashions was created. And 
I had the ferrets be the CEO and, you know, the executive and, you know, quality control and, you know, models. Well, at the time, you know, ferrets are supposed to live seven to eight. Seven to ten is average for ferrets. And I may have my timeline a little askew. But I ended up with no girl for modeling. Not that Gwendolyn would allow that. Like I said, she was my little precious, and she could be a bitch. But, anyways, so I ended up with making fashions for ferrets, and did really well. I mean, not to the point that I could like constantly count, constantly count on the uh, income. Then I started making stuffed ferrets, and if you're on Twitter, you've seen a couple of them, and they aren't just, you know, a plain body. I uh, do different fabrics and mixtures and things, and that, for the most part, while it doesn't, it's not a constant, and the last four months, five months, have been kind of difficult because I didn't have a vehicle. Um, I'm back to selling them again. Uh, They do help a little bit here and there. Um, I'd like to be able to have them sell more so I can actually have an income. Um, They kept me fed and in gas since I've been on the road. Um... Marcus and Marilyn were on the road with me when I ended up on, you know, being houseless. Um, Marcus ended up passing away just before Christmas. Two years, three years before Marilyn did. And um, we were in Chicagoland. And he was old and he had adrenal and I'm quite sure the cold got to him, but... I think his adrenal also did. Um, But they loved traveling. And they loved the attention they got. And they were good ambassadors. Uh, Manny actually was a therapy ferret. And we'd go to the local um, nursing home. And, And I had one resident that just couldn't wait for him to get there. And just love on him. And... When he passed on St. Patrick's Day, that was hard because he was what they consider your heart. And, I mean, Bandit was hard. Lance was hard. But Manny was really, really hard. And they said I had actually done the best I could because his intestines were full of tumors and they were busting and... I didn't have a vehicle for like 24 hours or for a week and nobody could take me to the vet and I got to basically um, I kept him alive over the weekend 
and basically got him to the vet, handed him over, and he coded, and they did everything they could. And they did what's called a necropsy, which is basically an autopsy on pets. And they found that his belly was just full of blood, and it was from his, the tumors breaking through his intestines. And the fact that I had iron supplements and whatever was basically the only reason he made it through the weekend. He should have been, he should have passed away. So, um, I actually had him cremated and he is in, and he traveled with me for a while and he's actually in the Kentucky storage unit. Um, Marcus is in a friend of ours storage unit and I'm not sure if I'll ever get him back. And then Marilyn passed in 2019, just before Christmas, and my friend Ricky has her ashes. And the only reason she still has Marilyn's ashes is because I haven't been able to get back up there to, to retrieve them. Um, and I really appreciate Ricky holding on to Marilyn for me. Um, it's still difficult to talk about them and their passing um Marilyn was completely I was never going to have another girl ferret after uh, after uh, Gwendolyn because I thought they were all bitches and when they say that the ferrets are divas um they are and but Marilyn was a martial ferret and she was completely different than Gwendolyn and she if I was sewing, she'd come and see what I was doing. And if she figured out it was a dress, she wanted to put it on right then and there. And she, you can tell, she had a blast modeling the dresses. And uh, I just, after her passing, I haven't been able to really create any ferret fashions. I've done the stuffed ferrets. I make pot holders and what what are called bowl pot holders and basically you can actually put you know how you put a bowl into the microwave and it's so hot you got to use the pot holders well these you put the bowl and whatever into the pot holder and you put it in the microwave and you can microwave it um and you just grab it and you know of course you can't microwave it like 10 minutes it'll put it on fire because it is material. But, you know, okay, I'm heating up a bowl of soup. That's three minutes. That's four minutes, I think, is probably the max. But you can take your hot soup and not burn your hands because you're not touching the hot bowl. I've also had people tell me they use them for in the summer to slow down the melting of the ice cream because they are insulated. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Um... You know, I do different things like that. Um, I don't really do human clothing. Um, I'm not sure if it's because of my astigmatism or whatever. Um, even with a pattern, they it never comes out quite right. Um, I actually made myself a tank top because I was out of shirts and I needed a shirt that was cool and it's sort of right, but not quite. It's a little tight and I, you know, stuff like that. 
Um, but yeah, even with a pattern, I can't seem to do human clothing correctly. Uh, I've made dog coats. I've done, you know, I've done some different things. Uh, I do a lot of mice. I, mice seem to be a big seller, and I haven't done a lot, any in a while, and I need to. Um, mainly because I don't have any stuffing right at the moment, and I've had back orders for ferrets that I needed to get done, and I actually have some that I still need to stuff, which means I need to buy stuffing. And I have some listed on my copay page. Um, but yeah, um, I tend to babble when it comes about ferrets. And I blogged until I want to say 2017 regularly and I learned a lot and I ended up with a bunch of vet friends and learned that ferrets can get heartworm and it really only takes one adult worm to kill a ferret. Um, I learned about vaccinations. Um, that uh, distemper is also basically a death sentence if they get it. Um, because I traveled, I had, you know, I had to have certain vaccines done. I did uh, the rabies and the distemper. And normally you would get, you know, with dogs, you can get a, a three-year uh, rabies shot. Well, with ferrets, you have to vaccinate every year. And the main reason is because there's actually two, you can either use the puppy vaccine, rabies vaccine, which means every year you have to have it redone, or they had what's called ferret vax. Well, ferret vax is actually a more expensive vaccine, and unless they have a lot of ferrets come in, they don't keep it. So... For me, I had a uh, vet in Pennsylvania named Dr. Doverspike, and he was actually learning a lot. I taught him a lot as well, because he didn't know anything about the heartworm. And um, he told me about, you know, the Ferrovax and how it wasn't something they uh, kept because I was like their third ferret owner. And the other two weren't as consistent as I was. Um, but uh, ferrets are also prone to several kinds of diseases. Um, lymphoma. Um, they're finding a juvenile lymphoma is showing up more and more. And we're not sure if that's because of the breeders, you know, you know, the Path Valley or the commercial breeders, as I should say. Um, and in Pennsylvania, uh, commercial breeders had to uh, fix and descent ferrets. Now, ferrets do have a musky odor, and even if they're descented, and it's because of the oil. And 
if you bathe them it actually strips the oil so it produces more oil which actually makes them stink more and if you feed them a high fish diet they will stink um, you can litter box train them and all of my ferrets were harness trained so I could take them out on leash which is hysterical to watch people freak out when you're walking in the park with this long slinky thing and even though their poop is probably not more than a dime I take you know potty bags and pick it up and don't think I hadn't you know dog owners that watch their dog shit and walk away I'm like oh you must be out of potty bags here you go here's a poop bag and they might look at me I'm like um I pick up after my ferrets you can pick up after your dog because do you want to run through the, the grass and step in the dog shit you know that's just that's nasty pick up after your animal if you're in a public I mean if it's your property that's your business but in the public be a good example um, and even traveling you know I ha I know there's pictures out there of people going can I take a picture can I take a picture like yeah and you know a lot of education that way um, I became known as the ferret lady and a lot of people were like oh friends thinking about getting a ferret you need to go talk to this person before you do it because the ferret might not be for you and it's like you know I had a checklist and I'm not sure if it's still on my blog or not of are you renting or do you own a lot of a lot of landlords will not allow ferrets because one they don't know anything about them um, two they think they're destructive um, they can be they like to dig um, Delta used to be the only airline that allowed ferrets in the cabin and then for whatever reason they decided not to do that um, ferrets can fly but they have to be in the cargo and it's like not going to happen and if I you know that was actually one of the main reasons I stopped flying was my ferret is not cargo if a hamster can be in the cabin a ferret can be in a cabin and their main thing was well what if they escape their enclosure and it's like um the hamster is more likely to chew through than the ferret um but so be it um in all actuality i think there was a couple that flew not re too long ago that actually was able to be in the uh, cabin but they had to jump through a bunch a bunch of hoops to do it um, you know, like I said, Marilyn loved to model. Uh, Manny enjoyed it as long as he was getting treats. Yeah, Marcus, he was like, yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, they were the reason for my my business and. Which is why, you know, I, I'm, when I say I need to sell stuff and it's like I have an Etsy shop and it's Enlightened Ferret Fashions. And I think it's actually, it'll show up as an Enlightened Ferret. And I need to put more stuff on that. But for me, ferrets are definitely antidepressants and I miss my ferrets. 
but living in a vehicle is not conducive to them and the only reason I had them in the first place was because I had already had them when I had a house. Um, they are still illegal in California even though there is a movement to get them legalized. Uh, and that, like I said, that's all on the blog as well as to why they're illegal in California. Um, I think it's funny they legalized cannabis before they did ferrets and cannabis was made illegal later than the ferrets were. So, but that was, the cannabis was made illegal at the federal level, not the state level. Um, but yeah, on to the card. This month I've been using Colette Baron reeds Wisdom of the Oracle deck. And this is actually the last card for this month from this deck. Um, next month's deck I will be using the Enchanted Map deck. Which is also um, Colette redid and Oracle Palooza Virtual 2021 is actually around the new deck. And that is the Enchanted Map deck. So, um, on to the question. And the question, as always, is what does my audience and I need to know for the coming week? And the card is number two, Yin, which is the first time I've ever gotten that card. And the essential message is, meaning is the feminine principle of receptivity letting someone else make the first move, gathering information, and taking in cues. The art of conscious allowing. And the oracle's message is, this is a time of calculated receptivity as you gracefully await what is coming to you, ready to accept it when it appears. Yin does not involve frozen dreams or even resting, but rather consciously allowing things to flow to you poised to receive the bounty that will be made available to you. It implies sensitivity as you alertly study the actions of others and contemplate how they will affect you and yours. Remember, you must make space for miracles to appear. Be the shaped, not the shaper, and you'll see how quickly your dreams manifest. And then the relationship message is, let others take the lead right now. Your power lies in small gestures, soft awareness, and conscious surrender. By yielding the reins, you will find yourself effortlessly moving closer to what you truly desire. Permit others to tell you who they are and who they can be to you by allowing their actions to speak about them. You'll be pleasantly surprised. And then my favorite, the prosperity message. This is a time when the most effective action is to allow others to show you the way forward. Observe their behavior and follow their lead. Your desire to push through must take a back seat for now. Collaborate and offer your ideas. Rather than dictating what must happen, let others come to you. It's important that they feel they have power now. Another meaning is about releasing your need to have things in the form you want. How do you feel basking in your success? Now, allow the universe to show you the form. Yin is a sign of essence. Things may go more smoothly than you expect. 
that should be an interesting uh, week. Now, I actually recorded this card before I did the rest of the episode. And I may start doing it that way. Just so I'm not influencing the cards after um, writing the episode out. Because I've noticed that sometimes it does. Uh, because I've been thinking about it. It uh, influences it a little bit. So, um, so there's that. Um, as always, I'll post a picture of the card on both my Kofi and Buy Me a Coffee page. And there you can view the card and you don't have to be a supporter. Um, but at the very least, I'd like it if you would follow me on the pages. Um, and if you like this podcast, to please share it with your friends or anyone else you think might like it. <laughs> 